0: Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Bios. We appreciate you joining us. We're here with John Trabick. John is kind of a big deal in terms of behind the scenes. He works on a show that you probably know of. It deals with the guy who lives in a pineapple under the sea.
1: <laughs> I think that's right. Sponge, SpongeBob, SquarePants. something like that. Yeah, yeah SpongeBob. Yeah.
0: Maybe you've heard of that show, folks. <laughs> and he is one of three storyboard artists that is the first line defense to what you actually see on your TV screens. Is it a fun job every day? You get to go in, you work with SpongeBob?
1: It's a, it's a dream come true, it actually is, yeah. <laughs> and you have a
0: son who is how old?
1: Uh, he's six years old.
0: For him, having a dad who works on SpongeBob.
1: I don't know if he's grasped it yet, but yeah, it's him seeing his name, who has the same name as me on TV, he's like, what? So yeah, he's it's got go. perks. I'm but... sure he tells
0: his friends.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, it's incredible to have heard your story of kind of overcoming. A lot of people maybe see where you are and think, wow, he's on SpongeBob, he works on this big show. It wasn't always like that, and you really took a leap of faith. Talk about where you came from to be able to get to where you are in the leap of faith that you took.
1: Okay, Um, so I guess it all goes back to... As you said, I didn't always do this, right? And um, I guess I didn't set out when I was younger to say like, when I grow up, I'm going to be blank. I always wanted to, I guess, be behind, not behind the scenes, but do comics, do cartoons, something. Um, but I didn't, I guess I just didn't go in that direction. Uh, finances were weird back then. Um, I kind of had to come up with money for college. It didn't work out. And somewhere along the way, instead of education, I chose drugs, and I was like, I'm going to do that. (laughs) And uh, so that took a long time and a lot of, I guess, my life, you know. I ended up, uh, I guess, in some really bad spots. I ended up addicted to uh, not only heroin, but I was uh, doing everything you could possibly do. Um, You know, drugs, whatever. That was my thing. And it took me down to a really bad place. Um, eventually, I ended up uh, behind bars. Did you feel like that was rock bottom? Absolutely, yes. Um, I remember like the story for the the the, the, the utmost rock bottom place in my life, uh, I had taken some money from my sister and I went off to like finish my life. Because so I was like, I, I, I could not get clean, I had tried Uh, rehab, I've tried in-house treatment, I tried AA, I tried everything, and I just couldn't seem to get clean. And every time I would go in, I would get like three days, 12 days clean, but I would always go back. And uh, I was kind of like, the reality of the situation is I am an addict, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm gonna die this way. So I was, you know, just a mess. I was like, you know, stealing from my family, I was lying, I was cheating, just doing everything you possibly could do wrong. And I felt horrible about it. But no matter how much I wanted to quit, it just wouldn't happen. I just couldn't do it. And so I had this big master plan of how to stop. I was like, I'm just going to steal this big bunch of money. I'm going to go, I'm going to go away. I'm going to do as much drugs as I possibly can. and I'm not going to wake up. And that was going to be it. And I thought that was an answer at that time. And uh, when I woke up the next morning after doing all those drugs and it didn't work, um, like the reality had to be like, I have to go face up to this because that's all I have, you know. So as awful as that felt and how horrible I felt with the shame dealing with that and like having stole all this money from my sister who I lived with at the time, um, you know, I, I knew that I had to get back and try to make it work out.
0: Was there a point then that you you thought that there was a reason, obviously that you were still there that it was not at a that new time. Start? Yeah,
1: no? not at that time there wasn't. Um, I got back, she was waiting for me with my mom, with my dad, with my stepdad, with my just trash bags filled with all my possessions, and they were like, "You you're on your own. Like we we don't know what to do. You can't stay here. You can't be with any of us." And luckily my dad put me in a motel, not a hotel, motel is like even worse.
0: The one step yeah.
1: down? He's like, you have a week there, you got to figure it out and that's it. And um, so I took all my stuff I and I had a bike at that time. I did not have a driver's license. I moved into this motel and I continued to use and I like... Uh, I I had one last encounter with my dad and I, I stole his credit card in hopes to go get money to go get more drugs and he pressed charges on me and it was the awfulest slash best thing that ever happened to me in my entire life.
0: Just like a change.
1: Yeah, from that point, you know, because he basically the cops came to the motel and were like, yeah, you're coming with us. Uh, you stole this credit card and not only was it a credit card, it was his employee credit card. So then. The, his place of employment stepped in and were like, yeah, that's a felony. You broke in and, and this was a big deal. I,
0: I can only imagine how hard that was for him.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for real. Yeah. It was tough love, I guess, mm-hmm. right? He, like, he would rather see me locked up than to be living the life I was. So, uh, basically, that was the start of me getting clean. Weird kind of thing is, like, not only was I, like, petrified and terrified and horribly, like, Angry and mad that I was getting arrested. It was also like this like sigh of relief like Mm -hmm. finally it's over You know like Mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do. I have to face up to this so that started the journey and I guess uh, After that, I'm gonna just fast forward to it. It's you know um, I I stayed 86 days in jail incarcerated Uh, the judge granted me in-house treatment at a recovery center uh, Salvation Harbor light um, and there I did three months and it was like the first 30 days you're here. You're, you're just here. you we're going to be learning recovery. You got to go to X amount of meetings. Then after 30 days I could go out and find a job. And then after that I could work and then I had to start paying rent. So it was kind of like they were teaching you how to live, you know, like you, obviously you're a piece of crap <laughs> and now we're going to like, kind of like build you back up and
0: reset the foundation.
1: Yes. So like from that point on, like, from the day I got locked up, like things just kept getting better. Like all of a sudden I'm eating. All of a sudden like I realized like I have to face up to this.
0: And that's what got you into kind of being a contractor.
1: Yes. I guess yeah. Yeah. My first job was a cook and then like like I said everything kept getting better, so I started off as a dishwasher, then I got to be a cook and then I went back to an old boss and became a contractor. And and then my living situation got better. So then I got out of the treatment center and then all of a sudden I'm living in my boss's Garage <laughs> and then and then I was able to the get garage
0: in. is a step up. That's yeah. it. It's great when that happens. Hey,
1: yeah, well, you know when you got to build it up, right? Mm-hmm. So so then I got an apartment with some friends in recovery, which was amazing um, So it was me and two other people that were, you know, staying sober and so that was like a big deal And then eventually I got my own place and I, you know, was working and I think about that time, um, I stopped building houses residentially and I got into the union, um, which started my union career. Mm -hmm. I met my wife, Um, you know, we got married, Uh, we had my son, we bought a house, things were looking up, everything was going great.
0: It amazes me to, to talk with you and you hear this and at that point you still knew that there was something more.
1: Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, I think if it wasn't, once I had my son, uh, so if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would be where I am today. But, you know, I looked at everything. So we, we, I was locked in this job and I'd been working there for like four years. It was in a factory and we had, we had the house, we had the insurance, the job, the sun, like, Seems the American funny. dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't she want to do anything else? But uh, it was miserable. Like, I felt locked. I felt trapped. And I kept wondering, like, did I get sober for this? Was this why I got sober? And I think uh, that's where it started. But that's where, like, I think my spirituality kind of like took off and literally that was like what is, you know, what purpose does God have for me? Yes. It started off as, you know, did I get sober for this? But literally I got sober because of God. And if it wasn't for him, you know, just giving it up to him and trying to, to ask for some help. And that was like the first step and boom, I was like running off to the, that's when things started getting better. Um, so yeah, at that point, Um, I took a risk, yeah. One day after work, um, I came home and uh, I was talking to my wife and I had been doing some graphic design and some design work uh, for her parents at their gym and I really liked that work and I really hated my job. (laughs) So I was like, Amy, man, it would be so great if I could just do this for a living, you know, and I had no schooling. I had, you know, no prior education other than a high school degree. Um, I had a degree in drugs, and that didn't get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not anywhere we good at. It. Yeah, so I'm a convicted felon. Uh, you know, I got all this going for me, and uh, she's like, you know, what, why don't you just go to school for it? I'm like, how do we make that work? You know, I have to I have to work so we can pay this house payment. We just had Johnny, and she's like, well, the worst that could happen is we could move in with my parents. And when she said that, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> You know, I was like, um, are you sure? And like, That's basically... That's the point
0: where you knew you found a keeper yeah, when she's right. willing to sacrifice everything. Yeah.
1: So, nine months after buying the house, we put it up for sale in the middle of the recession. It was in 2010, you know, right when like the market was way low. We had got the house for like a nickel, you know, yeah. and we were trying to sell it. Um, so, we basically sold the house and we got... We got money on top of that. we sold it for more than we bought it for, so already like God was like saying like you're doing the right thing. keep it going and in the in the meantime, uh, like you said about the risk, everybody was like, "Are you an idiot? like what are you doing? You have the best job you could possibly have in this small town, and you have a kid, you have a family like you know what what now So we had like no support except for Amy. Amy was like, <laughs> "I believe in you, you. <laughs> right." And her parents were pretty generous and pretty awesome and they, you know, they totally stood up for us and were obviously had some belief in me. They had to have, otherwise, you know, they don't just say, yes, you can marry my daughter and <laughs> sure, move around in. And by the way, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we moved in with, uh, with her parents. Um, I had planned a year in advance to quit, so I continued working for an entire year. Oh, so wow. we could kind of like pay off everything, get out, a hole, out of the hole and kind of start at zero. And in the meantime, you know, I'm applying for a job, I'm accumulating, like, I had to get a car. Um, At this point, I had taken care of all those responsibilities, you know, I mean, uh, all the court, all that stuff. So I was clean, I didn't owe anybody anything. I kind of, like, I made all my amends, I was was scot-free. My side of the street was clean at this point, and I felt it was time to, like, move forward. So I got into CCS, which is a school in Detroit, and, um, I started studying animation, two uh, D animation, and it wasn't long after that. After two semesters, I started applying for internships because I wanted to get, you know, a job, get some experience because I knew I was going to have to have some of that. And I immediately got a job with a startup company in Manhattan. So I took a three month internship and I moved to Manhattan without. A long ways. Yeah, without Amy and Johnny and. We kept that going, and again, my wife's amazing. Um, So then I came back, Uh, I did another semester of school, and one of the companies that I had applied for an internship to asked me if I wanted to take an animation test. So this is another one of those risk moments. Um, I was like, yeah, of course, you know? So I took the animation test, um, sent it off, and it it was around Christmas time, I was on Christmas break from school, um, waiting on this news to come back or to start the next semester, which I had already signed up for classes and they called and they wanted to hire me. So it was like, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. uh, go to
0: school to get the job, but then the job comes before school is over.
1: Right. And so, you know, after careful consideration and again, like trying to like figure this all out I'm like, man, maybe God's got something to do with this. Like here's an opportunity, like. What do we do? So literally, I was like, me and Amy talked about it and we decided we were gonna move to Atlanta that coming week <laughs> when, it, when it happened. And uh, I called up school, let them know, you know, I'm not coming back and I'm gonna go take this job. It was only a three-month gig, but it had potential to turn into something long-term and we were willing to take that chance. So we got like a, th- a three-month uh, lease in a, in a in an apartment that, was completely, had all the furniture and whatnot. A furnished apartment, (laughs) yeah. Um, And basically, I I did the the three-month gig, then they offered me a full-time position. So that worked out. Thank you. Thank you, God, (laughs) yeah. But it was miserable. Um, Not not only was it like content that I was not into, Mm -hmm. um, not that the content's bad, like, it's a very successful. You didn't feel satisfied. Yeah, it's a very successful show. Uh, the pay wasn't good. It wasn't a unionized shop. It was, you know, you're getting this amount of money and you're going to have to pay for this amount of insurance. And I had just moved my family to Atlanta, to a new city. And so uh, we struggled, and we struggled bad. Not, not only just financially, but, like, you know, did we make the right choice? Um,
0: you're a long ways from Michigan.
1: Yeah. And then, then that all came up, you know, like, um, I guess the, you know, the, maybe some some resentments maybe rose up like you were following your je- your dream. This is not comfortable. Uh, this is a, this is a struggle. So, so I started hitting hitting back the applications. I started applying everywhere. I must have applied like I don't know 120 applications. Wow. You know, like just nonstop anything. At this point, just shotgunning them out. Yes, I mean I, I was doing animation. I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, at this point, I was a storyboard artist for that company. It was awesome, but you, like I said, like if it's causing pain in my family, it's causing all this stuff. It's not like it's it. not, it's not worth it. So, I started applying back home. I started applying closer to, to Michigan. Um, there was a lot of like, I guess, pining for home, you know, to go back. Mm-hmm. But then I started like, you know, we started just saying anything would be better than this. So, I took. I took applications and jobs in, you know, Cincinnati, New York, New Jersey, lots of California jobs because that's where, like, the jobs are at. We were willing to go anywhere other than where we were at. And I started networking with some friends, and it turns out that uh, Nickelodeon had just greenlit this new show. And it it just so happened to be, like, very up my alley. Like, uh, I struggled drawing real-life people, and this show was, like completely slapstick, (laughs) cartoony, it was right up my style. And so when I seen it being, you know, picked up, I was like, oh my gosh, I was made for the show. So I got on Facebook and I started harassing everybody I could. It was like... The
0: best way to get a job, folks, harass people on Facebook. Yeah,
1: direct message. Um, So I found one of the creators who I had been previously friends with because I admired his work. And, you know, I just said, hey man, uh, Johnny Ryan, I really love your work. Um, I'm a storyboard artist. I know your your show just got. Yeah, exactly. I asked for an opportunity and he checked my stuff out And he was like, you know, you got a really good artwork Uh, When the show starts testing we'll send you a test and I finally got the test to test the Nickelodeon. That's how we get jobs Mm -hmm. Um, So I asked Amy if she would leave the house for two days (laughs) I called him to work and told him that I had the flu and I needed two days off (laughs) and I You know, locked myself in the room with my computer and I took the test and turned it in and prayed. Thankfully,
0: it obviously all turned out.
1: Yeah. So uh, we got the call um, on Friday and by that Monday, we were on the road to California. We had already shipped our stuff over, a car. It was like, see you Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) So excited
0: for that new adventure. Yeah. You know, to hear your story of, like you said, you didn't start out doing this, you had so many opportunities where you easily just could have given up and you just kept pushing and kept seeing that there was something more and you kept you know, keep going. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure your family and wanting to provide for them as well and good life was some big motivation. What advice do you have for other people who are in that position, who are in one of the many stages and steps that you talked about and said, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if I want to <laughs> go to this next step. I
1: just um, want to settle. Right. I would say that a bad job could be perfect fuel to get that next good job. You know, um, a lot of people won't take certain jobs. They'll just wait for that big, awesome job. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had to wait for Nickelodeon to give me a job, I would still be in Michigan. So I had to take some crappy jobs that I did not like. Um, that I might not have agreed with uh, I guess mm-hmm. my personal politics mm-hmm. or anything like that or pay, mm-hmm. you know sometimes I think that you have to take these kind of like Interim, intermediate jobs or something.
0: Baby steps.
1: Yeah, you got to get your feet wet, of course. and You got to have experience and It's not always going to be exactly what you want But if you keep trying, you know what it's I mean? It's to get you
0: one step closer to the ultimate place where you want to be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that uh, just don't stop trying, you know what I mean? If anybody that keeps trying or, or stops trying is never gonna get it, right? So if, you, if you're if you trying to get something and you really want it, um, you might have to settle in the meantime for something, but don't stop once you get that one. Don't let that be your next retirement job. Um, I think even like today, even in this job I have right now, I know it's not gonna be around forever. I mean. As much as I love SpongeBob and it is the most amazing show to work on and it's great, I might not make it another year. Who knows? Yeah. Am I going to go home and, like, no, I'm going to keep trying yeah. and, I, and the next thing's out there. It's going to be, it might be something worse. It might be something way better, but you just got to keep it going, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, hey, if that doesn't provide anyone listening with the motivation to just keep pushing forward, as you said, to keep looking at that next thing and realizing no matter where you are that that next thing is out there and you just have to keep chasing it. And that is certainly the lesson that I took. I hope it's the lesson that you guys took out there. John, thank you so much for telling your story, man. It's been great. It's been so inspiring just to hear. Hope you guys learned something. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you the next time.